Thank you for joining us today at River City Church, a church living in love. If you have a prayer need, would like to speak to a pastor, or have questions about today's message, please email us at info at rivercitysmyrna.com. For more information or to give to the ministries of River City Church, please visit our website at rivercitysmyrna.com. We hope you are encouraged by today's message. God All right, so Sarah's going to come up in just a second. Um, as you know, so just for people who are newer, we have new people every week. Um, Thanksgiving and Christmas usually really affect our community. People end up going other places, but recently we've had people coming with people, and um, it's been neat. So just for maybe a snapshot, so Advent for our community um, is just an, it's a way for us to integrate some of the things we believe that mattered historically. It was not a part of my growing up. I had no idea even what it was until about three years ago. And so what we've loved about it is this idea that um, we're not the best generation ever who knows everything, right? But that there is a lot that's given to us. But also we love, you know, the, the spirit and the shout. We believe that we are a community alive and well through the Holy Spirit and that everything that was available to the church in Acts is available to us. We believe that. We believe we're going to see that. We believe God is doing stuff through that. So the unique part is the blend and seeing kind of the liturgy and the shout. That's kind of our heart is to raise people up. Because liturgy, although it seems like an awful word for most people, it historically has helped people grow in the Lord through tradition. Not where tradition is the focus, but that's how we have the message of the gospel. For hundreds and hundreds of years, it was carried through communities that were you would walk into today and you would probably be like, this is dead. But they got us the gospel, right? I'm thankful for that. But we now get to go forward in the power of the Holy Spirit, which I think is very important. So today, though, Sarah's going to start our Advent with um, the first one. And uh, kind of the theme for this week's Advent is hope. And I'll, I'll do this so you don't. So each week, Sarah has kind of integrated some art into the services. Um, today and the last one, which is... In three weeks, four weeks, there's going to be a, a kind of a gang choir. And if you want to be in the next one, there's still an opportunity for you to jump in. 
Uh, we'll have the sound working by then. We had sound stuff happening, happening today that sometimes the building is its own beast. Um, it still is beautiful, though, and that's what I love about vocals and, and chords. But you can jump into that. Next week, we're going to have, uh, next week is which one, Sarah? Poetry. And then the third week, we're going to have prophetic art. So it's, it's going to be really neat, and, and I think it'll be neat for you guys to be a part of with your families. But today, if you want to come up, I'm going to pray over you, and then we're going to let you go. Now, Sarah preaches for like two hours. She, she really only preaches if she has that amount of time as her stipulation. Um, let's just pray. Father, we just thank you for the voice you've given Sarah, the heart to study and learn, the heart to be a student of your word, the heart to draw people into growing through that means, through knowing that spiritual formation and spiritual transformation happens through you and being with you through the word. And I thank you that she's integrated this into our community because I believe it's been it's been breath for our community. So we just envision people growing like crazy over this next year, just fruitful growth spiritually in their families, with their lives, with our community. And today as Sarah speaks, I just pray that you would give her such tremendous peace right now to share what you've put on her heart. Help her to speak clearly, God. Help her to speak your word. We thank you, God, that we're a community gathered around it today. We want to be known for a community being gathered around your word. Give her peace and joy today to speak the truth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. So I feel like um, I'm a little bit like a metaphor for the Christmas season right now because today there's a lot of like hustle and bustle and getting to church and choir and Advent and oh, I need a lighter. And so that I feel like is how Christmas is and how Advent's like, hey, slow down, take a deep breath. And that's really, I like literally feel like I am embodying the message of Advent. So as I approached today, I didn't want it to be like, let's rush through this day. I wanted to just be like, Let's settle in. Let's take a deep breath. So everyone take a deep breath. <sighs> right? That's what Advent is. And this is why I love Advent. I just feel like it's so deeply formational. It's not just, um, it's not a day. It's not um, something you have to program. It's space that's been carved out for us um, by the early Christians um, to be really intentional as we approach the Christmas season. Um, for me, it is provided another way. Um, I feel like we, I've talked about this a lot, um, but how we so quickly orient ourselves and our lives to the culture we live in and to the calendar we live in. We typically think of things in terms of our calendar, right? Like, okay, the hustle and bustle is getting ready for Christmas day. And then we have New Year's day. And then we fast forward and we throw Easter in there, but it's not really Christian anymore, right? So we have these holidays, but actually the Christian calendar is so much more full and rich and literally tells the gospel story. So if you follow the, Christ the Christian calendar, you are being pulled into the gospel story again. And you are revisiting the scriptures and the story of creation through now. And that's why I love the Christian calendar and why I love Advent. So I said this briefly, but Advent's been around for a really long time and Christians have celebrated it differently. So in the early days, it was actually really a time of you were serious, you were penitent, you were very reflective, people would fast and pray. And they were like, it was very important for them to think how serious Christmas was. So the celebration happened from Christmas Day and then the 12 days after. So you really weren't doing the celebration until Christmas Day. Isn't that so interesting how we are? It's totally different, right? It's like, who, starts, who plays Christmas music all year round? 
That's awesome. Okay, who starts playing it like you want to play it, but you're like, I have to wait, I have to wait. But we do sort of like jump right into the celebration before we like really prepare our hearts. And not that that's bad. I love it too. I'm playing Christmas music in November because it makes me happy. Like when I'm cooking, I'm like, oh, I just need to put Christmas music on. This will get me through, Christmas music. But we don't often as a culture or even as the people of God living in 2016, carve out this time to look inward, right? And spiritual formation happens as we create space to connect with God and as we're reflective, okay, as we're looking inward. Um, and yes, the spirit moves. And yes, there's words and prophecies and visions and all of that happens as we create that space, right? And so Advent is the other way. Um, and so... Um, before we move on, actually, build that. I'm going to use that drawing. But did you guys see the um, the painting up there? Did anyone know what that was? So that is Michelangelo's Isaiah. Isn't that cool? So if you were to go into like the Sistine Chapel and zoom up, that's the painting of. Oh, there it is. Thanks, Bill. That's the picture of Isaiah. And I this I love art. I'm such an artsy person. But I mean, there's so much you could gather just from that painting. But, and we're going to actually revisit this Isaiah passage in a minute. But um, So just in case you were like, oh, what in the world? That's why we had that up there. That's Isaiah. So, okay. So a couple of weeks ago, I um, talked about spiritual formation and the good life. Who was here for that? If you were here for that. So I know who's going to sort of get my language. Okay. Um, and so if you didn't get to see my amazing drawing, there it is. Um, my kids know that the drawing aspect of art, not my strongest, right? Not my strongest. Alethe usually asks um, Josh to draw her stuff. But this was the way I, I sort of process how spiritual formation happens. And so we're going to do really quick um, the Good Life Christmas edition, okay? So we're going to look at this in the terms of Christmas. So we all, we approach the Christmas season, and as Christians, we say Christmas is about Right, the birth of Christ, right? And we really say that as Christians. Um, so we say that the good life of Christmas is about acknowledging the birth of Jesus. But when we look at sort of what happens in the middle, sort of our liturgical practice during the season, we can really tell what we think Christmas is or the good life is. So one of the things I want to encourage you to do during the season of Advent is to do this liturgical assessment. So during this season, what is your middle, okay? These are your actions, behaviors, rituals, habits, things you're imitating, your virtues, your vices, your rule of life, all words I use to say, what are you doing? What's your day-to-day -day look like? So... A very, like, the most obvious liturgical practice of this season is shopping. That is liturgy. So when you are walking into a mall or you are going into a store, like, that is liturgical. In fact, a book that I read actually talked about how the mall actually mimics, like, a temple. It almost looks like a cathedral, like the vaulted ceilings and the imagery and the smells. Like, that's what the cathedrals of old were like. So a lot of times when you step into a mall, you're immediately engaged by your senses, the sights, okay? So it is liturgical. And one of the things that's most obvious to me about the Christmas season is we get pulled into this 
idea that the good life of Christmas is about I need to spend this much, I need to attend this many parties or gatherings, right? As a parent, I really struggle with how many gifts I need to buy my kids because everywhere around me is telling me more, more, more. You need to get them more, more, more. And so if you are approaching this season and you're already worn out, like you're already like, oh gosh, it's going to be so awful. I'm going to gain so much weight. I'm going to spend so much money. Like maybe the good life of Christmas needs to be recalibrated. Maybe we need to like recenter on what the good life of Christmas really is. And to me, the way you do that is Advent. Advent is a recalibration of really what is the good life of Christmas and how can I create space, how can I do these sort of liturgical things that create space for what I envision Christmas to really be. So one of the ways that I've told you that we do this as a family is we use Ann Voskamp's book. She has a book on Advent. And we carve out space as a family, and we have an Advent tree, we have these ornaments, and we read through, and we put the ornaments on the tree. And so that is created space that intentionally shifts or recalibrates our heart towards what really is the good life of Christmas. It's about there is a God who inserted himself into the poorest of the poor and lived among them. Like That's what Christmas is. And if I'm shifting my heart to there, and that becomes the story I am pulled into, then what am I compelled to do? I am compelled to insert myself into the poor and the broken of this world and live there. So Advent is an invitation for another way. Our culture will pull you in to this other version of the good life. And you can't say, I don't believe that's it, and not do anything. Like, you have to do something. You have to intentionally shift your practices, your rituals, your habits, who you're imitating. Like, don't imitate what other people are doing at Christmas. Don't. You don't have to. Focus and envision what do you want What does God want for your family, for you, for this season? And then that's what you do. You create the space for that, okay? So this is why I love Advent. It's deeply formational and why I love the Christian calendar. Um, So we tend to approach the gospel as like these, um, this just teaching, you know, like we read the Bible, it's for teaching and reproof. And so we will have a textbook on how to live our life. No, that's not at all how we should approach the Bible, The Bible is more art and poetry and story and color. If you have read chunks of scripture, it is way more, like if you've read the Psalms, it's all poetry, poetry and prose. So the Christian calendar pulls us into this story. It pulls us into this, um, like the art of it. If you have read scripture, the vision of Isaiah that we're reading today, like that's prophecy is art. It's art. That's what it is. And so Advent says, or the Christian calendar says, come into this story. Because the gospel is not facts we learn. It's not facts we memorize. It does teach. But if we strip it just down to its teaching, you have the law. That's what you have. And we're not meant to live by the law. So we got to keep the poetry in there. we got to keep the art in there. we got to engage with that. Um, I mean, we look out the window. Is a God an artist? Totally. This is how we are meant to engage with him. And the Christian calendar says, come back, revisit this story. Because the story of the gospel is birth, death, resurrection. 
birth, death, resurrection. And so every year we are pulled back into that. The beginning of the story is the birth of Christ. It all starts there, right? So Advent is he's coming, he's coming, he's coming, birth, he's here. And then it's all about the life of Jesus, right, leading up to his death and resurrection. Um, And so allow yourself to view the Christian calendar that way, to be pulled into it and to sort of just like let it, like get deep into your heart, deep into your spirit. Okay, so moving on. We're going to move on to this Isaiah passage, and we're not going to spend too much time here today. Is everyone with me? You guys good? Okay. I'm going to read it from here so that we're all on the same page with the the version. Okay, so this is what uh, we read earlier. All right, the word which Isaiah the son of Amos saw, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. Now it will come about that in the last days, the mountain of the house of the Lord will be established as the chief of the mountains and will be raised above the hills and all the nations will stream to it. And many peoples will come and say, come, Let us go up to that mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us concerning his ways and that we may walk in his paths. For the law will go forth from Zion and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. And he will judge between the nations and will render decisions for many peoples. And they will hammer their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not lift up sword against nation And never again will they learn war. Come, O house of Jacob, and let us walk in the light of the Lord. Um, So already, I feel like today there's been these themes. I don't know if anyone else has picked up on it, but our songs, everything sort of has this like whispering of like peace, you know, like there is a new day. Um, And hold on, I'm going to take a drink of water. It's going to feel like an eternity. Watch. That feels like 10 minutes to me, I'm not going to lie. So this was given to Isaiah, who was a prophet in in Judah. So Judah and Israel, if you guys, little snippet history, were separated this time. They were a divided kingdom. And so he was a prophet to Judah from around. Who's writing these dates down? Just kidding, no one's writing these dates down. But I have to give them. This is the teacher in me. Like, I have to give dates. I don't know why. You guys don't care. You don't care about the dates, but I have to do it. I have to. So from 740 to 686 BC, okay? So that's when Isaiah was a prophet. All right, so during this time, um, if you were to say, what's going on in Judah? They're struggling with idol worship. They're actually very affluent and rich at this time, so much so that they were using their um, riches to oppress and marginalize the poor, Okay, and um, they were, you know, using these business practices or the way they were just conducting life was totally contrary to God's law. So one of the things Isaiah really spoke or recognized was the fact that they were doing lip service, like they were still doing the things of God, but it was like their hearts were just a total mess. Um, And so it's in this that Isaiah has this vision. And so if you research the vision, you know, they're like, they think this was sort of like a detached portion that it doesn't necessarily connect to what was before and after, but that Isaiah was envisioning something far in the future. um, And it was a day when like life was just going to be calm 
and God was going to be the center of things. Right, so I'm just going to sort of unpack this verse um, a little bit at a time. So in verse 2, in the days to come, the mountain of the Lord's house will be the highest of the mountains. It will be lifted above the hills and people will stream to it. See, people will stream to it. See that language? It's not just people will come to it. What immediately does your brain do when you hear that word stream, right? You immediately think of this flowing. What's interesting is that it's a mountain. So people are streaming up the mountain. And so what we're sort of getting this picture of, there's this natural flow that's not easy because you're going up a mountain, but it's natural and it's flowing and people are not coerced to go to the mountain of God. Like this is not manipulation. This is not fear tactics. These are people are willingly going up to this mountain. Um, When it says the last days, this in sort of scripture means the time of the Messiah. So as people, you know, Hebrews began to study this, or scholars, they immediately took that in the last days, not to mean um, this is the time when the earth is crumbling and falling apart, but this is the time of the Messiah. So we're assuming in this vision, so immediately what that does is we put on like our Jesus glasses, and so we're going to look at this text through the lens of Christ. Christ has come, Christ is here. Um, When he mentions the mountain of Zion um, in the Old Testament, that was... Very, it was physical but also figurative, so even though their temple was on a mount, um, for us, it's this idea of the message or the gospel, since we're looking at it through the lens of Christ, the gospel message has taken root and has been established, okay? So Zion was typically a place of peace, a place of joy. It was like God's holy hill, but now we know, okay, so the gospel has gone forth, it has taken root, and nations know about it. So we've kind of seen that fulfilled. So there's parts of this prophecy that we, we are living in, which is beautiful, um, so like Matthew 5.14, Jesus said that his followers, like, you are the light of the world, right? A city set on a hill is not hidden. So immediately, like, tie that imagery together. Oh, so the people of God are raising up like a hill, like a city. Um, nations will come and go. This is verse 3. And they, oh, nations will go and they will say, so this is like to each other, hey, let's go up to the Lord's mountain. So now they're encouraging each other. It's this like joyous, let us go up because he's going to teach us his ways. This is what I love about this verse, especially in the context of America right now. Many nations, diversity, okay? What it doesn't say is that many nations will become one nation. This is not Christian nationalism. This is not everyone is going to become the new Israel. No, many nations will come. There is one God over many nations. Is that beautiful? I love that. Okay, so one God who now reigns over the people. And so they are gathering together in their diversity under the instruction of God or the word of the Lord, which we know the word became flesh. It's Jesus. Okay, so now we have Jesus, God, who is love. Literally, that is the word going forth that is binding everyone together, unity in diversity. Verse 4, God will judge between the nations. And that judge is actually instruct. That's more of like an instruct. It's not like you go, you know, not judgment. God will judge between the nations and settle disputes of mighty nations. Then they will beat their swords into iron plows and their spears into pruning tools. Nation will not take up sword against nation. They will no longer learn how to make war. Okay, so this is the part I think we're, let, we're 
we haven't, there's aspects of this we haven't yet seen. And this is the one that I'm reminded by being in, in the world right now that it's not, we're not there yet. Think about how beautiful that is. Like, like my mind almost can't even understand, like, they are beating their swords. As Christians today, we are sharpening our swords. Why are we doing that? Why are we sharpening our swords? When movement towards the Prince of Peace says, we are taking those swords and we are banging them, banging them, and banging them until they can be used for gardening. Like that's what it's supposed to be used for. That is where, when you have encountered the God of love and the Prince of Peace, that should happen. That is the natural thing that should happen. And again, nations here, they're sort of retaining their political independence. Now, I'm not saying this is literal prophecy. We don't know yet. But it's this idea that God is settling things between the nations. They're not all one nation. So they still have this level of like political independence. It's not a one-world empire. So if we think that that's what God wants, maybe we should like revisit some of the scriptures because it doesn't seem like that's what God wants, a one-world empire. But the authority of Jehovah brings war to an end and ushers in an era of universal peace. So come house of Jacob, let us walk by the light. And so imagine Isaiah getting this vision during this time. You know, like Messiah hasn't come yet for them. So imagine that level of longing. And for the small group of righteous who lived in Judah, imagine what this vision would have meant to them. Imagine what it would have stirred up, this longing, this hoping, this, ah, oh, is it going to come sort of like when they were in slavery? Oh, you will send a deliverer. You will send a deliverer. He's not going to send a deliverer. I know he's not. You will send a deliverer. And so Isaiah becomes this picture of now and not yet. And you guys have may have heard this phrase before, but something has happened now, and this is what's true for us today. God has come to earth, right? God has put on flesh and come to earth. That has tremendous implications for, every, for the way the universe is. When that happened, like, I wish I could see what was really happening everywhere in all of the universe when God put on flesh and came to earth. And that is now, we live in that, that reality, that things should be different because there is good news that God has come to earth. But there's still a not yet, right? There's this now and not yet. And like Josh was saying, we live in this tension. And this is sort of the tension we feel in Advent. We are longing and hoping. We are groaning and hoping. It's now, but not yet. Okay? Romans 8, 18 through 25. Let me read this to you guys. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. The creation waits in eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption as sons and daughters, 
the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what he already has? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. Okay, so this is the now and the not yet. Um, And so this was, I had a moment in India where I felt like this was really illustrated. So there was one day in India where we went to a place called Home of Hope, which is not exactly, not anything like what the name is. So if you've heard us talk about Home of Hope, it's literally a home for dying. So people are pulled off of the streets. Sometimes family members drop people off there who are unwanted, and they just lay there. And they're given three meals, but they're not taken care of. So they're filthy. They're sick. Um, it's it's heart-wrenching is putting it lightly. It's, it's disturbing. And so we sort of serve there, and we're really emotional from just engaging there and, and being there. So that night, we go to, if you guys are familiar with K-Homes, um, there's a children's home there, and Tammy is the, the mom who runs it. And so we go there, and her and her children put on this thing called the 1040 window, which is just education into what how the gospel is interacting into the 1040 window, that area of the world. And so by the end of this, I'm like, I'm just a mess. (laughs) I'm just so, after that whole day, like I'm just, my emotions are really thin. Um, And then we took up communion. And I was like, oh my goodness. So we take up communion and there's us and there's Tammy and her children, we're from India. There's a group from somewhere out west, Oklahoma or something. and we take up communion and we're singing that song, The Great I Am. The mountain, what are the words? The mountain shake before him. The demons run and flee at the mention of the... And I promise, it was the moment where, like, God injected himself into that. You know those moments where you were like, this is so holy. Like, this is prophetic. This moment right here, I was like, this is what it's going to be like. Like, one day, this is like a taste of it. And literally, hundreds of yards away, people are laying on the street in poverty. To me, that is the now and the not yet. Like, there is brokenness. There is pain. There is mind-boggling evil. And there is God breaking into this. And that is what we, that is the hope. That's the taste that we get when God breaks into that madness. That's what keeps us going, right? That's what lets us, okay, we hope. We still hope. And so for me, that night was a reality of the now and not yet. But these are some other ones. These are ways we experience the now and not yet. The blaze of color out there against a gray sky, like that's the now and not yet. A family, both physical and spiritual, joining hands around the bed of a teenager who has been in a serious accident that happened a couple days ago, like that is the now and not yet. When you gather around a Thanksgiving table this week and you're holding hands and you're laughing and you're eating and you're sharing, and there is a family member at that table who was just diagnosed with a really serious um, issue. It is the exhale of why and the inhale of I trust you. It's I believe, help my unbelief in the same breath. And then it's this. It's this moment where we gather and we are acknowledging that there is madness all over the place out there, but we are prophesying that there is a new day. So it's remembering and prophesying and gathering together. Like this is the now and not yet. Every time we gather here, 
And so this is where we're going to land today, is in communion. But this is what I want you to, actually, I want you to close your eyes. If you guys could close your eyes, and I'm wrapping up. I want you to hold your two hands open. And so I want you to imagine that you're at the foot of a mountain, and you're about to walk up. I want you to just, just notice what's happening. Notice the color of the sky. Notice what's around you. Sort of the feeling you get as you he- are here. And over, Isaiah asks you to come up the mountain with him. Come, we're going to the Lord's mountain. And as you begin to go, you are aware that your hands are open. And you have a now in one hand, and you have a not yet. And in one hand, you have these places where the incarnate God has already broken into your life. What has he given you? Where are the holy moments? Where has he broken into the madness? And in your other hand, you are holding the not yet. In this other hand, what is it for which you long for, you hope for? What has not happened yet? And so, Holy Spirit, during this time of Advent, we push in there. We push in to the remembrance that you came and we put ourselves in touch with this longing that it's things are yet incomplete. And our hearts, though deeply satisfied by encounters with your love, are still craving deep restoration, deep redemption, the redemption of all things. And so I pray for these people of God during Advent that we would create space, that we would create time to push into the now and not yet, that we would use this time to remember, to long, to groan, but to hope, and that we would be a prophetic people to remind each other that he is coming again. Jesus, be real to us this season. We want to encounter you in tangible ways. So help us remove all the glitz and the glamour and the distractions of the season. And let us tune into where you are hovering, where you are moving, where you are whispering, where you are shouting. Let this not just be another Christmas. But let us mark this as the time when incarnate God birthed something new, something different. Let it be a time of healing. Let it be a time of um, receiving and giving. A time of empowering. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you again for joining us today. And please visit our website at rivercitysmyrna.com.